What's going on, everybody? Elliot Parks here with Matt Lombardo at CenturyLink Field, the site of, yes, an Eagles loss, something we haven't said since the last time, well, you know, since week two when we were in Kansas City. So, Matt, I have a couple of quick, I have a couple of takeaways, obviously, from this. But one of the first I'll say is, and I think what, what, what we need to talk about is, yes, the Eagles lost 24-10, to 10, a game that, let's be honest, really wasn't that close. Would you agree with that? No, and I think that the Eagles shot themselves in the foot. And we'll get into all of that. We'll get right. into all the reasons why they lost this game. But it was never really all that competitive, even mm-hmm. going back to the first quarter, which is a unique spot that the Eagles found themselves in. When you look at this year, they've jumped out to quick starts basically every week except for week two against the Chiefs, and that just wasn't the case tonight. And I think that the question we need to answer over the next week, really, and we're not going to have that answer tonight, and I'm not asking you to answer it right now, but the thing that we need to discuss is how do you balance – just the fact that this is a loss, and it was a, it was if you just took just looked at it, it was a concerning loss. They were considerably outplayed by the Seahawks. How do you balance that with the fact that it's only their second loss? They're ten and two. They go to the Rams next week. They beat the Rams. Everything's fine again. How much of the panic button? That's what fans are going to ask themselves all week. How much of the panic button are you pressing? So I, I have my opinion on it, but let me shoot. You know, I'll send it to you first. How much are you pressing the panic button? Yeah, I'm not pressing a panic button per se, but I will say this, that that race for home field advantage throughout the playoffs, that race in terms of getting a buy is very much on and avoiding playing on wild card weekend. You know, you've lost your margin for error. You've lost first place in the NFC. You had a chance tonight, if you're the Eagles, to come into Seattle, beat a quality opponent, clinch the NFC East, continue to have some margin for error over the Minnesota Vikings. But instead, the Vikings beat Atlanta today. The Eagles fall to Seattle. And now you're looking at a situation where the Vikings are the number one seed because of the strength of win tiebreaker. And the Eagles have a game next week. And and maybe... This is I I don't know that I'm pushing a panic button, but mm-hmm. I will say this, Elliot, that you know how they recover from this game is going to define their season. It's very easy to have a hangover from a loss like this. It's even easier when you're going up against a playoff caliber opponent who's leading their division on the road and a team that is in a lot of ways a mirror image of the Eagles and how they're built and how they've won whereas I think the Eagles were outplayed by a team that was banged up yes it's a t- it's it's a hostile environment and yes it's still Russell Wilson but this was a banged up Seattle team it was a game the Eagles were favored to win by by nearly a touchdown and they lost tonight it's going to be a completely different set of circumstances in a game with e- an even larger magnitude next week against the Rams. How they prepare for that, how they recover from this, Mm -hmm. will define their season. And here's the thing. I don't think it's time to press the panic button, but just because it's not time to press the panic button doesn't mean that... That you can't, t- that this isn't a legitimate loss. I mean, in some ways, let's say they would have played the Cardinals tonight in Arizona and they would have lost that game in the same manner. I think that actually would have been less concerning. That's a than- bad loss. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is a loss to the Cardinals would have been a bad loss and it would have been one of those losses you just kind of put away. But this is, this is a bad loss on two fronts. One, it's a bad loss from playoff standing-wise because, like you mentioned, the Vikings, I believe they went into Atlanta today and won, right? Yep. So that's a very impressive win in my opinion. And two, now if you lose to the Rams next week, not only are you not in the top the top seed, you might be like three or four depending what other people do. And here's why this is a, an, like a concerning loss. So I believe this is your first time at CenturyLink, right? Yes. So you can speak to this maybe since you're experiencing it for the first time. But now that it's my second time here, this is a legitimate – 
playoff type atmosphere stadium. I mean, this is where legitimate teams you you find out how legitimate you are in this stadium. You come into Seattle, you compete with the Seahawks, you beat them. It's the most hostile environment in the NFL. It it's really the is the toughest stadium to come in and win a game, and that's illustrated by how successful Seattle has been here and how much of a big deal has been made of them losing two straight home games to teams like the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington Redskins before tonight. The mm-hmm. reason people talked about those two losses and the fact that they never lost back-to-back games is because they're so dominant. Doesn't and the fans are right on top of you here, and it's so difficult to fly, you know, eight, nine hours to come out here and win a football game. And the Eagles were outcoached tonight by Pete Carroll. They were outplayed, and they shot themselves in the foot with too many penalties and too many unforced errors. And I don't know that you can really weigh the magnitude of a loss of what it would have been had they lost to a subpar opponent versus losing to Seattle. But what I will say is your margin for error is gone, and now you're basically playing from behind and facing a must-win, an absolute must-win game next week against the Rams. And, you know, it, it's not so it – is, it is the crowd. It is all those things. But I think what you saw tonight is – so every week when the Eagles come out onto the field, it's impressed me how they've always seemed to have been the aggre- – they've always seemed to be the aggressor. Even in warm-ups, you can just really see, like, they're dancing, they're high-fiving, they're jumping around. Like, they, they walk in every game cocky and confident – and it's impressed me. But what I saw tonight from the Seahawks was a legitimate team that knows that they're that that they're they're not to be effed with, and they know that they are the real deal. Because how many times can a team go into a game against the team, an opposing team that's ten and one, best record in the NFL, has been absolutely absolutely annihilating people? And the Seahawks, I'm telling you, from being here, I don't know if it came across on TV, from being here watching this game, they were not intimidated by the Eagles whatsoever. They were on a mental level of confidence and cockiness that the Eagles just are not on yet. And so- well, they also knew they had an opportunity, right? They right. had an opportunity to knock off the number one seed, which they ultimately did. And Pete Carroll is an experienced enough head coach, a Super Bowl winning coach, to know how to get his team ready to play in this type of situation. And I think simultaneously preach to his players, you have a big picture opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Elliot, listen to this schedule. They go on the road to the Jaguars next week. Tough game, but I think it's a winnable game if they play the way they did tonight. Then you have the Rams here. That game, depending on what happens next week between the Eagles and the Rams, that could decide the NFC West. And if that decides the NFC West, this Seattle team, especially if they get a home game during wildcard weekend, it's going to be real tough to come in here and win in the postseason. Then you have a game on the road against the Cowboys before finishing up at home against Arizona. My point is they had an opportunity tonight, and they had a big-picture opportunity beginning tonight to march towards a division title, which they're very much alive in the race, and they now have the tiebreaker in head-to-head over the Eagles, which is the first tiebreaker if they wind up with the same record, if they both win their division there's a chance that Seattle would get the bye over the Eagles or that Mm -hmm. the Seahawks would have home field in a playoff game over the Eagles. So I don't know that this was a quote-unquote bad loss because Seattle is what they are and all those things you outlined, Super Bowl win, battle-tested, legitimate team, whatever adjective you want to throw out there. It was a costly loss because the Eagles had the opportunity to clinch the division, maintain control of their own destiny, and they lost both of those opportunities tonight. Can still, can still clinch the division with a win over Los Angeles, but now you're in a dogfight with the Vikings for home field that you weren't in had you won the it, game tonight. It, it's a costly loss, but here's why it's a, it is definitely a concerning loss. And all week, Eagles fans will say, don't press the panic button, calm down. Here's why this is absolutely a concerning loss is because every week after they've won, me and you have talked, all right, who's their biggest competition in the NFC? Who's their biggest competition in the NFC? And we've talked about teams, but I think both to a, 
both of us to a certain extent have said the Eagles are their biggest competition. And this is you saw tonight why that is. The Eagles' biggest weakness is they have they're not battle tested. They're just not. If you look at it this year, they've played three games that I would three games on the road that I would say were legitimate like against legitimate teams. The Chiefs in week 2, yes, I know the Chiefs aren't good now, but in week 2 they were. Yep. The Panthers on the road on Thursday night in this game. They're now 2-3 and three in those games. Winning on the road against good playoff battle-tested teams is very hard to do. It's not something you just do all of a sudden because you're a good team. It's something you do that you earn over years. And the Eagles are a team that's growing. And what you saw tonight against the Seahawks was they're not on the Seahawks level yet. They might have a more talented roster. They might have a better quarterback. They are not on the mental, confident battle-tested level that the Seahawks are. And that's why I've always said home field advantage yeah. is so key for this team because if they have to go into Seattle, if they have to go two into, into New Orleans, they're probably not going to have to go into Atlanta. Minnesota. Right. Well, L.A. and Minnesota are a little different because they are also not as battle-tested. Minnesota is to a certain degree. But the point I'm making is this. The Eagles are good enough to go to the Super Bowl this year if they have home field advantage. If the Eagles do not have home field advantage in the, in the playoffs, it is going to be very tough for them to go. And because of what you saw tonight is they were completely punched in the mouth from the beginning. So let's kind of get into the, the actual well, let, me, the let me just say one quick thing before we get too deep into this. This game came down to two things. The Eagles didn't execute, and they made too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. First downs, Eagles had 25, Seahawks had 20. Third down efficiency, Eagles 50%, Seahawks 50%. Fourth down efficiency, Eagles were 2 of 4. Uh, Seattle didn't go for it once. Total yards, Eagles actually outgained the Seahawks 425 to 310. But you look at what defined this game, it was two things. It was penalties, and it was turnovers. Eagles were penalized seven times for 64 yards, five times for 46 yards by Seattle. And, of course, Wentz had that garbage time interception and the costly fumble on the goal line that Seattle put together a scoring drive where the Eagles had two defensive penalties, mind you, and that's a 14-point swing that changed the trajectory, the momentum, and ultimately the outcome of the game. Elliot, we can talk all we want about this team blowing out teams like Arizona and San Francisco and taking care of business against Denver and punching them in the mouth and putting up 51 at home. When you play close teams, when you play teams that are equal to you in terms of talent, in terms of merit, and in terms of playoff standing, those two or three mistakes, those two penalties, those two turnovers, they'll define a game. And the the Seahawks didn't make the mistakes tonight. The Eagles did. And if that's one lesson, if you're an Eagles fan or you're a player in that locker room that you take away and you put in your bag to go on the road to Los Angeles, that's what you take away. Mm -hmm. You cannot make mistakes and have self-inflicted wounds against teams of this caliber. That's the biggest takeaway. And now how the Eagles respond to that, how they eliminate those mistakes, that will define their season. Because we said coming into this week, it was a two-game season. These two games would define how we look at this team and what their road to a potential Super Bowl would look like. Didn't get off to a good start. Man, Matt is getting fired up in here, guys. I got to tell you. I've recorded, Spitting uh, truth. Yeah, I think we're at like 124 podcasts. You yes. are fired up. All right, so here's the two things I want to talk about from the game. Yep. First is Carson Wentz. Second is Doug Peterson. I think in a lot of ways this game wasn't decided, but a big part of the re- reason the Seahawks won this game was I think the Eagles' first drive. Carson Wentz gets hit when he slides, and it was penalized on that run for a third. It was like third and two, and he ran for five yards. He gets hit when he slides. On the next play, he takes a big hit after a throw, and I believe it was Frank Clark um, got in his face and went and Wentz chirped back at him. Which honestly, I'm not saying Wentz ever gets intimidated, but he's just not that type of guy to chirp. Normally, he'll clap his hand. Well, all right. So I was gonna say, I kind of agree. Yeah. And you know, people are gonna say, oh, you know, you overreacting. I. I've been Wentz's biggest supporter. You have been too, but I think yep. you can attest to the fact that I've been. I have 
week in and week out, defended Wentz yep. against criticism and that type of stuff. To me, I thought Wentz got a little rattled tonight. I think after those two hits – or really from the jump, he missed a lot of throws that he normally makes. The one to Aguilar, I believe, was on the opening drive, has Aguilar wide open, he misses him. Yep. On the long catch to Aguilar, and that might have been on third down, or in the third quarter, where he completed, I think it was like a 32-yard gain. If he leads he, in that yeah, touchdown, it's a, he it was a bad in. throw, and yep. he can make that throw. Yep. I don't know if Wentz got rattled by the atmosphere tonight, or what it was, or if he got hit early, but I'll tell you this. And it probably people on TV might have picked it up too because you get the close in sometimes we don't get. But watching this game, the Seahawks had a mission and it was to hit and rattle Wentz. Yep, they were I talking to him the after. Quarter, yeah. yeah, they were talking to him after every play. They yep. were they were hitting him. They were willing to take those penalties early on to rattle him. And honestly, it looked like it worked. He was extremely. I know you look at his numbers and I think it was like 28 of 41 or something like that. His numbers don't look as bad, but he missed a lot of open throws tonight. And, you know, I want to talk about Doug. I want to talk about some of the penalties, the defense. In my opinion, the Eagles lost this game tonight because of Carson Wentz. He's the number one reason. I'm not saying he was the only reason. They lost this game night because of Carson Wentz. He missed throws early on that could have changed the game. Yep. He had a few really nice plays. We, we can't talk about right. Carson Wentz without that fumble at the goal line. And it was a great play by Sheldon Richardson to rip it out. That was a first-round draft pick type of a play. Mm-hmm. But if you're Wentz, you got to hold on to the ball. Wentz is a first-round pick, too. Yep, number two overall. Right. So I, I look at, at what happened tonight, and I wrote this in the takeaways piece that's on the site right now. Carson Wentz has been the catalyst for them mm-hmm. going 10-1. and one. Carson Wentz has been the driving force behind their success for the first 11 games. He wasn't that tonight. A- no. and, and what's concerning from a bigger picture standpoint is the Eagles weren't able to overcome that. They weren't able to run the ball as effectively as you would like. They weren't able to make enough plays. They weren't able to – and again, they, they had 98 yards and Seattle had a 101. But they weren't able defensively to get a stop after that fumble, and they weren't able to put together that long-scoring drive outside of a couple nice throws and the touchdown in the fourth quarter that Wentz did have, but they weren't able to overcome Wentz's mistakes. And that's alarming because, again, you talk about Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and all of this championship caliber quarterbacks that are in the NFL, and a lot of times they elevate their team. Mm-hmm. But they also have complete teams that are able to overcome subpar performances when Breeze isn't on or when Aaron Rodgers isn't on or Roethlisberger struggles. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Brady. I don't think Brady threw a touchdown today and against they still the Bills. Won the game. And I mean, granted, yep. they're playing the Bills yep. and Buffalo, which is a little different. Yep. But no, I agree. I mean, look, not a lot of really. I I agree with you to a certain extent. I do think there's not a lot of teams that can overcome a bad game like Wentz had tonight and win, especially in Seattle. But I agree that this, I mean, this is why Wentz is an MVP candidate is because when he's not on his game, when he has been on his game this year, they've dominated. He was not on his game tonight. He just wasn't. And, you know, the question is, and I'll ask you this, was he not on his game tonight just because they played the Seahawks and the Seahawks are really good? Was he not on his – or was he not on his game tonight because you think he kind of got rattled and shrunk to the moment a little? You know, I don't – look, it's it's one game in right. the most hostile environment in the league in his second season, in his second time here. But you and I have talked, and we talked about it on the preview pod to an extent before the game – you know, we have yet to see Carson Wentz shy away from the big moment. Right? Mm-hmm. We've yet to see him come up small in a big game. This year. And he, and he did tonight. 
Last year he struggled in the, with that a little and, bit. And, and he's a rookie right. last year, and I think that you give him a little bit of a pass, even though I think he was inconsistent in a lot of ways at a lot of different junctures last year. But this year you had not seen him shrink to the moment. I don't know that he shrunk to the moment tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Seattle is still a very physical defense, particularly in their front seven, where they weren't banged up compared to the secondary where they were. I, I didn't like the play calling from Doug tonight. I don't think they really stretched the field at all in the first half. They did it a little bit in the third quarter, then got away from it. But I just think that the combination it was a perfect storm. Poor game plan, poor execution, hostile environment against a playoff caliber team. All four of those things came together on a night where Wentz wasn't at his best, and it's going to magnify the mistakes and make them look worse than they are. But if he comes out and struggles against the Rams, and if the defense dominates the Eagles' offense next week, then, then maybe we start looking at that strength of schedule as not being as meaningless a metric as a lot of people made it out to be. So the two decisions I want to talk about that Doug made tonight that – um, I thought weren't good. And I, I don't think – I'll, I'll be interested to see what fans' reaction is. I don't think Doug was the reason they lost this game, but I don't think he had a very good game. Um, there was two I want to talk about. The first came with just about a minute to play in the first half. The Eagles were facing third and two from their own 46-yard line. You're trailing 10-3. to three. Doug goes for it. So fourth and, uh, yeah, third and two, he pitches it back to Corey Clement. And in my opinion, even though Lane Johnson did slip on the play, and yes, Doug can't run the play. He can't control execution. In my opinion, it didn't really make sense to pitch it back to Corey Clement, where you're all of a sudden he's getting it 9, 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, when in reality, A, he's a between-the-tackles runner. He has better he has better speed than I thought, but he's still not a guy you want to have to run 9 yards when you only need 2. So I thought that was a bit of a head-scratcher play. They didn't get it, and then they go for it on fourth down, and if I remember correctly, they didn't get it. But regardless, I, I didn't think uh, that was a good play. The second one was... Uh, fourth and inches, Seahawks 29-yard line, third quarter. Uh, Wentz completes a pass to Torrey Smith. I believe it was third and 12. And uh, it looked like Smith might have gotten it, but the result of the play was the, the ref said he didn't, so they were facing fourth and inches. Doug challenges the play. Um, it didn't really end up mattering because they, they lost by two scores, but I thought that was a poor challenge as well. I mean, it's fourth and 12. I mean, it's fourth and inches. You have a six foot seven big quarterback that's really good um, – Q- they QB wound sneaking up converting, it. and then that was right, the exactly. drive where Wentz fumbled along the goal line. So I thought those were two really poor decisions. Um, I know you were pretty critical of, of Doug during the game yeah. on, on Twitter. So what did you think of Doug of Doug tonight? I, I thought that Pete Carroll outcoached him, and, I, and mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, and I don't know that I can necessarily hold it too much against Doug Peterson because Pete Carroll has won a Super Bowl. He's one of probably the top three to five coaches in the NFL, and he was playing at home with a team that is built, at least up front, to contain what the Eagles do best offensively, but I'm right there with you. I didn't like the challenge on the spot that set up the fourth and one. I didn't like the play call on the third and two where they pitched it to Corey Clement on the outside. Same sort of situation. You have a six foot, you know, whatever quarterback. Go for the QB sneak, run it up the middle. Don't throw it if you have to. But I didn't right. like the idea of stretching the field on a pitch play on a third and short that they wound up not getting. And I didn't think that, you know, not challenging the lateral was a good look on Doug either. And, and in Agreed. Those, a lot of I ways, forgot about that one. You're right. When when it was clearly, when you watch the replay, a forward pass on a lateral. And that was a huge play. The, the Seahawks scored three plays later, three or four plays later. And so they were within seven at that point. Yeah, right? so you look at those three decisions, those three plays. Plays, they define the game tonight. And in a lot of ways, when you start talking about and how many times have I said Doug Peterson's a coach of the year favorite? Mm-hmm. After Dallas, I thought he was the runaway favorite, and that was the resume builder for him when it comes to that award. He didn't look like that head coach tonight. And, no. and, I, and I think that, you know, we want to talk about a learning moment for this team and for Carson Wentz. This is the first time that Doug has been in this spot 
in his head coaching career with a team that was 10-1 and in first place in the conference, and I thought that his game plan was conservative. I thought his decision-making was subpar, and in the end, it cost them tonight. So I almost feel bad for you in this way because Me. I – All right, ready? Because you were on the plane when the Alshon Jeffrey extension <laughs> <Yeah>. was announced. <laughs> I did the emergency pod, so you didn't get the chance to kind of, not gloat, but, you know, talk about your boy Alshon and everything. Well, well, can we also say about the number? Did I not nail the number? You did nail the number. But here's the thing. Tonight, your boy Alshon, after getting $27 million in guaranteed money, yeah. four catches, 61 yards on six targets, had a big penalty early on. Horrible penalty. The right call, mind you. Right. But it was a blatant, horrible holding penalty that you – again, that, that's something we haven't even touched on yet, Ellie. Mm-hmm. You get down to the four-yard line right. there, and you punch it in. That changes the complexion of the game. Mm-hmm. I agree. And this is my thing with Alshon. It's what I said in the emergency pod. He's, I would have re-signed him. I like the, 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 the deal to do it. I think they paid for a top seven or eight guy, which he's not. But I understand you have to pay, and this is just how it works. But All it this, takes is one team this is to get you Al- into a bidding right. war, and he's gone. But this is who Alshon is. Yeah. This is who he is. Four catches, 60 yards, hasn't topped 100 yards in 23 games. And look, Wentz struggled. So uh, that's a part of the reason Alshon wasn't that consistent. Yep. But he's still a top 10 receiver type guy. He's being paid like he's being paid like a top 10 receiver. He's supposed to play like a top 10 receiver. Big penalty. You know, he did make one or two nice catches. Didn't have a good game coming off his the first game off off but, the deal. But here's the thing, I, I don't I don't think that any player you can boil it down to one game. You can't, and, but this is who he this is who he is. I get that, but that doesn't mean that as Carson Wentz continues to ascend and continues to develop, that his numbers aren't going to improve. Mm-hmm. We, we I remember back in training camp. I remember back in the first couple weeks of the season when you know you were concerned about Alshon Jeffrey and you look up at the numbers and up until tonight, I, I don't know what he's on pace for at this point, but he was on pace for about a thousand yards and eleven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right around average with what he is on a season. And this is the best quarterback situation that he's ever had in his career. So I'm going to judge Alshon Jeffrey kind of like a rookie. I want to see what happens in year two and year three of that contract before I say that it was a good or a bad signing because he's been the best of the, the free agent wide receivers that moved on during this past offseason. He's been a big part of this team over the last three weeks and their success offensively. And I think that he is a critical piece to Carson Wentz's development as a quarterback, having that number one receiver, quote unquote, maybe not elite, but number one, in my opinion, um, to continue to facilitate Wentz's growth and the growth of this offense. Yeah, wasn't good tonight, though. Definitely was not good no, tonight. No, it was a bad game. And and look, I, I'm not sitting here making Alshon. I don't think I've ever made Alshon Jeffrey out to be Jerry Rice or Terrell Owens. Right. But he did not – you're right. He did not have a good game tonight. This was a big game. Carson Wentz Came did not small. have a big yep. game tonight. Um, you can Nelson talk Aguilar. About Nelson game. Aguilar coming up small tonight. You can talk about Jalen Mills coming up small tonight. Well, not tonight. coming up small. Aguilar at 7 for 141. Aguilar had gotcha. a good game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, get, I get your point that yeah. a lot of the skill players yeah. didn't. The running backs didn't do well. No. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, the defense. So a big question mark of this defense was when they play elite quarterbacks in the playoffs and when they have to maybe go on the road and play these elite guys, how are they going to handle it? I don't know how to say. I mean, I know everyone's going to say Russell Wilson picked him apart, and to a certain extent I guess he did. But just watching the game – I didn't think they looked overmatched by Wilson. Wilson made a lot of plays, but watching Russell Wilson plays weird. He like runs back seven yards, turns, kind of lets the play break down. So I wouldn't say that he's he like a magician in the pocket. I, but I wouldn't say he yeah. like sat back there and picked them apart. He just kind of made things happen. So he created plays. Yeah. That being said, though, 
if you were on the camp of let's see how this Eagles secondary does against good quarterbacks, tonight was not a good night because uh, I don't have his numbers in front of me. I don't know if you do, but Russell I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it was pretty good. Yeah, just he had that. a monster game. He was mm-hmm. 20 of 31 for 227 yards, uh, three touchdowns with a passer rating of 118. And so, oh, by uh, yeah, the way, a very good game. He also uh, rushed for 31 yards, averaging five. So how, how concerning was that to you? I don't know that it was concerning because he's such a unique breed as a quarterback. All of those things you talk about, and Jim Schwartz compared him to Fran Tarkenton earlier this week, that he scrambles around and the play breaks down and it makes it tough on your defensive ends and your linemen. It makes it tough on your secondary to hold their blocks and hold coverage deep. I don't know that many quarterbacks are going to be able to do what Russell Wilson is able to do, and I don't know that they're able to, going to be able to do it against this type of defense. So – I, I think next week is the bigger barometer because Jared Goff is more of your traditional quarterback right. who's playing at a very high level. He's not the facilitator. He's not as mobile. He's not the runner that Wilson is. If Goff goes out next week and he has a passer rating of 121 and three touchdowns, then you can talk about, hey, this Eagles defense feasted on subpar quarterback play throughout the course of the year. I think this tonight was a little bit more of an aberration. And I think that when you look at what Wilson has done throughout his career, that's what he does. He extends plays. He runs for first downs. He does a lot of the things that we've talked about Carson Wentz doing well, but he's made a career out of doing it, and he burnt the Eagles doing so it So the last thing I'll say is, and they're literally starting to turn the lights off here at CenturyLink Field, I think tonight was just a reminder of where the Eagles are and where they have to go yep. because they're a very good team. None, neither of us are saying they're not a very good team. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. But I think it's just a reminder that Carson Wentz has not made the playoffs yet. Carson Wentz has not won a division yet. Carson Wentz hasn't led his team through the playoffs. Doug Peterson hasn't won the division. Doug Peterson hasn't made it to the playoffs. Howie Roseman, who everyone loves, still GM since 2010 has not won a playoff game. It's impressive what the Eagles did these first 12, well, I guess first 11 and now 12 games. And we agree. We've talked about every week how good they are. You've had Wentz at number two sometimes yep. in your power. Sometimes number one. Right. We've, we've had Eagles at number one or two all season. So we're not diminishing what they've accomplished. But I think tonight was a reminder of, and, we were, and when we were filming the, vi- the, video, the post-game videos after the game, I wanted to get all those banners that are up in the Seahawks stadium because I think it's a reminder that the Eagles are at a certain place. They still have a long way to go. And I agree. Look, we've we've walked away from the stadium at times saying, man, this team is going to the Super Bowl. Like, it's happening. We we felt that way. I said on the pod last week, if they make the Super Bowl, they'll win it. And I still feel that way. But I think tonight was just a reminder of that as exciting as these first 11 games have been, they have not accomplished anything. Let Let me boil it down even just a little simpler than that. There are a lot of really good teams in the NFC. And mm-hmm. I think that we're going to look and judge records after week 17 of who the really good teams were and who the really good teams are. Eagles, for the first 11 weeks, they were the class of the NFC, but that that is now shrunk. They, they, they've now played back to the mean when you have the Vikings now at 10-2. and two. You have the Rams at 9-3. and three. You, you saw what the Seahawks are capable of doing, and you saw the schedule that we laid out in front of them and the opportunity they now have to, to move up the standings a little bit and pad that resume. There are four or five, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, that was a tough loss against the Vikings, but they've been coming on strong and nobody should really bet against Matt Ryan in the months of December and January. So again, the Eagles are in that mix, 
But I think that if you're snubbing your nose as an Eagles fan at the rest of the NFC and you're thinking that this was going to be a cakewalk to the NFC Championship game or a cakewalk to the Super Bowl, I think tonight was a reminder that you know they're going to have to handle their business against the Rams and they're going to have to get a bye because, at, at the very least because going on the road in the postseason is just not something that I think they're ready to do. Agreed. And I also think that they aren't leaps and bounds better than everybody else. They've had a schedule that facilitated them being 10 and 1 and to their credit, they went 10 and 1. They beat all the teams they were supposed to beat. They didn't have a slip up. They didn't lose a game that they were supposed to win. But we said it was a two-game season, right? We said that coming out to this West one. Coast trip, and they're 0-1. So how they respond next Sunday and what happens around them is going to go a long way towards defining how this magical start to the season ends for them. So the next week's going to be an interesting and a good one. The Eagles are flying to L.A. tonight. They're going to be out there all week. Obviously, we'll both be in L.A. We'll have those updates for you every day. Matt, I know you're going to post tomorrow morning or Monday morning. Um, just kind of the day-by-day of what yep. they'll be doing, what they'll be doing in L.A. So Eagles fans, make sure you check that out. And then, of course, we'll have our uh, our hot take pod for you on Tuesday. We're hoping Joe Gillio will be on with us for that one. We'll have our hot, we'll have the hot takes you guys sent us during the game. We'll kind of process this one a little more and talk about the Eagles' first two days in L.A. So 24-10 to 10 loss. The Eagles are now 10-2. and 2. As we said, not time to hit the panic button, but a legitimate loss that needs to be discussed and a legitimate loss that, you know, Eagles fans need to worry about to a certain extent. So we're going to get out of here. As I said, they're shutting off the lights, so we have to get out of here. Matt, I will talk to you on Tuesday. See you in Los Angeles, bud.